When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman, verse 25, who had endured excuse me, who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. In this story... Jesus has crossed back to the west side of the Sea of Galilee, back into Jewish territory. He's on his way to heal a synagogue official's 12-year-old daughter when he's interrupted by the touch of a woman who is described as having a flow of blood for 12 years. While our translations put this word in the past tense, Mark's point is that her problem is persistent. She, as she approaches Jesus, she still has the problem. She's tried every possible solution with no success, but someone has told her of the healing power of Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus is in the business of fixing the unfixable? Aren't you glad that whatever you face, whatever adversity, whatever struggle you have, that when you bring it to Jesus, there's power that is greater than the problem that you present to Him? This story shows us not only that Jesus has the power to heal what no other doctor can heal, but it also gives us a way of understanding what happens to us when we truly surrender our lives to Christ. This morning I've titled the message, Hope at the End of Your Rope. Hope at the End of Your Rope. Having visited that in the way of introduction, would you bow with me and ask that God would help these truths find their way deep into our hearts this morning. God, we, we love you. We stand in awe of you. We are amazed that you came to rescue us. And Lord, that if we are in you, that we are, though we are desperate and we are sinners, we, we can't be any more accepted and loved than we already are in Christ Jesus. God, there's nothing we could do or say to to earn your favor. Jesus, you are the favor of God for us, and we receive you by faith, and we're so thankful for that. But God, there's there's so often we we can be trapped by the stuff of Christianity and miss out on really getting to you. And so I pray, God, this morning that you would help us to get to Jesus. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I I want you to see three things in this text very briefly. First, 
If we're going to be saved by Christ and become a child of God, to be saved by Christ and become a child of God, this woman has a flow of blood and she's just called a woman in the text, right? We don't know her name. Well, all we know is she's unclean, she's bleeding, she's going to be socially ostracized. But by the end of the text, Jesus says, daughter, she's not a woman, she's a daughter, go in peace, your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. So this text has something to do with being rescued by Jesus and becoming a child of God because she goes from being a woman to being a daughter. And for that to happen, we see three things in the life of the woman that we can emulate in our own lives. First, we must abandon all other options as futile. Secondly, we must hear about Jesus and respond in faith. And finally, we must personally surrender our lives to King Jesus. First, we must abandon all the other options as futile. It's not easy to do that, is that? To give up on your ability to address your own problem. You see, in chapter 5 we've already considered the demoniac now the bleeding woman and next week we'll consider Jairus's daughter and each of them find hope in Jesus when all the other hopes that humanity could bring when they've been exhausted we really do find hope at the end of our rope and as long as you think you got a little bit of rope left there's no hope for you you got to get to the end of your rope it's not like this woman had not tried to find help. In verse 26, Mark describes her in these ways. Having suffered much from many doctors. Having spent all that she had. Literally all that was in, within her reach. Anybody she could ask for a dollar to go visit another doctor, to get to another guru. She would use everything that was within her reach. The word, interestingly, having spent, doesn't just mean to spend. It means to exert effort or to waste something. So many people are wasting their lives trying to answer and solve their own problem and not come to Jesus. If, if, you're, try, if you're spending all your effort trying to solve your own problem and bypass Jesus, you're wasting your resources. Then he continues, having been helped or profited not at all. And then, as if that weren't bad enough, the end of verse 26, but rather having grown worse. She was worse off 12 years later, 12 years of trying, than she was when she began. This is a picture of those who think that they can produce righteousness in their own life or that they can be accepted by God apart from Jesus. All her work to find hope only made her more hopeless. As Edwards writes, the woman's prospects are no better than the dying girls, meaning Jairus' daughter who is dying. It's difficult to conceive of a more desperate existence than the one that she had, socially ostracized, ceremonially unclean, according to Leviticus 15, having to stay outside the camp of God's people, doing everything possible to find healing. If it was in our day, perhaps herbal remedies, essential oils, chiropractors and doctors and lots and lots of suffering and lots and lots of bills she spent all she had and was not helped at all when you study your bible and you come to a section where there are extremes all none or uh, the words that just heap up upon each other 
the, the author of the Bible is trying to tell you something. And so this multiplication of the words like all and none and having suffered, having spent, having been helped not at all and having grown worse, Mark is trying to intensify for us our picture of just how desperate the situation is. Church, we need to see the world like this. I am guilty of expecting the world to take responsibility for their problem, to act right, just, just do better. But we have the gospel and they don't. And unless they hear the gospel and are healed by the gospel, they're going to act like lost people. To come to Jesus, we must see that we are like the woman with the perpetual flow of blood. Before we trust in Jesus, what are we? We are unclean. We are separated from the cleanness of God. We're losing life, losing hope, running out of time. We're bleeding out. And no solution that we have will work. It only makes us worse. And unless someone should come with the power to cure us, we were going to die in our own sins, and our own blood would be required of us. You say, that sounds pretty desperate, Pastor. It is. Crowds are all around Jesus, and some are no doubt touching Him, pressing in on Him, but only one person encounters His healing power through the touch. What's the difference between the woman and the crowds who glance up and brush up against Jesus? The difference in touching the things of Jesus and being transformed by Jesus is desperation. You see, the crowds come to be delighted, but the woman comes to be delivered. We don't have to come to Jesus as those deserving or having something to offer Him. What do we bring to Jesus? Our helplessness. And He brings His healing. We bring our sin, and then He brings His salvation. People turn to Jesus when they let go of the idea that they will ever find a workable plan B. You like plan B? I love to have a plan B, a little backup plan just in case. This morning I was up early spreading salt in the back lot because I thought we could manage to have a first service this morning and then I thought somebody might fall, so I better have a plan B. So I got out there. It's good to have a plan B, practically speaking, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our encounter with Christ, there is no plan B. It's Jesus or nothing. There's nothing else that can cure the human heart. No education, no career, no, no child, no retirement fund. Nothing other than Jesus can cure the human heart. And some of you know that Jesus is your only hope, but you figure He's too busy helping other people out. You know, I've heard this. I, I actually, this is the most amazing excuse to me that I hear from people about why they won't surrender their lives to Jesus or why they won't take their problems to Jesus or why they won't get involved in the church. Well, Jesus, I figure, is too busy dealing with people who are more deserving than I am. Or He's too busy dealing with people who are more broken than I am. But that, that didn't stop this woman. He's on His way to heal a daughter who's 12 years old, the daughter of a synagogue official who is dying and ultimately will be on her deathbed you can't get any more deserving or innocent than that sweet little 12 year old girl jesus is on his way surely i shouldn't stop him right now but jesus is not too busy in one task to stop and help someone else who is hurting he can help you as he helps others he's god 
So don't blame Jesus for your unwillingness to admit that you are out of options and you're desperate for him. Because when you do that, you'll find that Jesus is there. He's not too busy for you. The hope for which you are searching is found at the end of your rope, church. To encounter the healing power of Jesus, we must come through the door of desperation. Jesus is the only option. And what an option He is. But secondly, we must hear about Jesus and respond in faith. We must hear about Jesus and respond in faith. We, we don't know how much this woman knew about Jesus, but she knew enough to believe that He could do something to stop her bleeding. Perhaps she was like some in the ancient world who believed that rulers had the power to bless those that touched him. During the reign of Alexander the Great, people would come and try to touch Alexander the Great, believing that he might have some miraculous power. But I believe perhaps maybe she knew a little bit of the Old Testament. I believe because Jesus has crossed back across the Sea of Galilee. He's gone west. He's in Jewish territory again now. And I believe perhaps her parents had told her of the coming king, who would, bring pe- who would bring peace to all the nations of the earth. The king about whom Zechariah prophesied for Palm Sunday that he would come on a donkey, but just a few chapters, well, just a chapter before, he prophesied in chapter 8, verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You You see, I believe this woman is trying to access the saving power of God that is in Christ. In verse 28, we get an inside look at what she's thinking. If I can just touch his garments, well, where did she get that idea? Perhaps from the Old Testament. If I can just touch his garments, I will be made well. I will have peace. I will be whole. I will be, made, I will be saved. This verb is in the passive voice, which means that her confidence is not in the fact that she's touching Jesus, she's, her confidence is in the fact that the power of God comes out through Jesus. She understands that healing must come from Christ. Jesus is the one who heals the woman. The woman does not heal herself. Now here's an important question. How did this woman come to believe that Jesus could help her? And it's answered for us in verse 27. Do you see it? After hearing about Jesus. After hearing about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world that needs to hear about the saving power of Jesus. They're not going to come to Jesus unless they hear about Him. After hearing about Him, look what she did. Verse 27, she came. And like a determined shopper trying to get a new flat screen at Walmart on Black Friday, she navigated her way through that crowd. She got behind Him and she touched His cloak. Matthew tells us that it was the fringe of his, or the tassel of his outer garment. She does not act in faith until she hears about Jesus. Somebody had to tell her about Jesus. And North Rona, we need to be a church that's telling other people about Jesus. We know the one who has healing, the healing power of God in his touch. As Paul says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. This means we've got to tell the world about the difference that Jesus is making in our lives. It means being desperate does us no good if we don't know where to turn. We live in a desperate and broken and dark world, and they need to know that Jesus is the answer. He doesn't just have the answers. He is 
the answer. This is why at North Roanoke we are looking for new ways to get the gospel out into our community. The gospel never changes, but our culture always changes. And so we're trying to find new ways to meet people where they are. And on April the 20th, Friday, April the 20th, we're going to host a parents' night out. This is an idea that two of our Sunday school classes have come up with. And we're going to let parents in the community register and from 6 to 10 drop their kids off. We're going to care for their kids. Why? Because we believe in marriage. Go have a date with your husband. Go have a date with your wife. And guess what? We need some volunteers. These two Sunday school classes are going to staff it, but we anticipate we may have such a response. We need some others. So if you're willing to come hang out with kiddos from 6 to 10 or a portion of that time and volunteer your time so that we can meet some new faces. They'll have to register. We'll have to get their cell phone number because they're going to be leaving their kids with us. What a great opportunity to meet new people in our community and say we love you and we want to care for you. Go, go have a good evening out together as a couple. So that's uh, Friday, April the 20th. You'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. But the bottom line is we're trying to find new ways to help people hear about Jesus. And there are more good ideas than there are hours or people or resources, but we are going to do some good things in the Roanoke Valley. But here's the bottom line. Nothing can replace the power of your life, which has been changed by Jesus, being willing to verbalize the gospel. It's still true, even in a world of Facebook and social media, word of mouth has a great deal of power. And we should be the ones giving voice to the gospel wherever we go. People need to hear the good news. It's only after hearing of Jesus, the woman then finds a way to get to Him. She's healed, not because Jesus is wearing a magic garment, but because the woman's touch was not an accident, but an act of faith. She believed the healing power of God could come to her by touching Christ, so she does whatever it takes to reach Him. And then she stretches out her hand in faith. Church, this is a picture of discipleship. We respond to what we hear about Jesus with a faith that takes action. Edwards writes this, to act on what, what one hears about Jesus is always in Mark the sign of a disciple. And this is what the woman does. What does a disciple do? A disciple acts and reaches out to Jesus in faith. And when she acts in faith, look what happens in verse 29. Immediately... The flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. As Edwards writes, 12 years of shame and frustration are resolved in a momentary touch of Jesus. And it wasn't a healing that you could reverse. The text literally tells us she had been healed, a once-for-all action by God. And she felt it in her body. She knew it experientially. She felt the difference that Jesus made on the inside. There was no physical evidence, perhaps, right away. But on the inside, when God's power gets to you and does something to you, you know it. When the saving power of God in Christ is at work in us, it makes a difference that we know. This is important, church. The idea that we go from death to life and nothing is different about us is not biblical. The idea that we get touched by the healing power of God and it doesn't make any difference in our lives, that we're totally unaware of it, is not biblical. I want to preach this point to you this morning dear brothers and sisters, and some who may think you are dear brothers and sisters, but you've never actually become yet a dear brother and sister. There are some people 
who have been crowding around the things of Jesus their entire lives. Can you see the crowd? They're right there with Him. They're around Him. They're going to church. They're doing good deeds. They're taking the Lord's Supper. They may have even been baptized years ago. And they're giving and they're doing a host of other good things. But really what they're doing is they are trying to cover up the desperation in their hearts because they still haven't accessed the saving power of God that comes in a desperate act of faith that reaches out not to touch the things around Jesus, that reaches out to touch Jesus himself as my only answer for life. I can't do anything to stand before God and deserve anything that he offers, but Jesus is my only claim on life everlasting. Are you here this morning? The saving power of God in Christ is reserved for those who give up on curing their own desperation and they reach out for the soul-curing healing that only comes through Christ. You say, well, I thought salvation was a process. Yes, it is a process. Sanctification. Sanctification is becoming more like Christ for as long as we live. It's It's God's power working its way in in us, showing us more of our desperate wickedness and sinfulness and God getting victories in our life as we go. But the moment of salvation is not a process, dear brothers and sisters. It happens immediately. Jesus touches her and immediately she is cured. Immediately Jesus perceives that the power goes out from him. Conversion is like being lame and then suddenly walking, Mark 2. Conversion is like being possessed by a legion of demons and then suddenly sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in your right mind. Conversion is like having a flow of blood for 12 years that won't ever dry up and trying every doctor and every solution and every herbal remedy you could get and then you touch Jesus and suddenly you feel within yourself that you've been healed. That's what conversion is like. And if you've been around the things of Jesus and you've been sitting in a pew your whole life but you your whole life but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and encountered his healing power then stop pretending and come to Jesus this day because when that happens when we really encounter the saving power of God in Christ he will ask us thirdly to unashamedly identify ourselves as one he has rescued Jesus is not interested in this little private version of salvation where we sit on the sidelines our whole lives and we tip the offering plate occasionally and we slide in the back door and we, we just sort of, eh, with Jesus. Jesus is interested in calling out His children as sons and daughters to get on the front lines of what He's doing. And we know that because of what He does with this woman. What does He do? He calls her out. You see... Salvation is not just about curing our problem. It's about getting the person of Jesus. If you stop short of getting the person of Jesus, you're stopping short of salvation. Jesus didn't come so you would solve all your little pet peeves and your pet problems. He came to give you himself and to make you a child of God. We must personally surrender to King Jesus. We see that in verses 30 and 34. When the power of God goes forth from Jesus, he knows it. Verse 30, just like the woman knows that she's been healed, Jesus knows the power of God has gone out from him, and he sees to it, get this, Jesus sees to it that we do not misuse or misunderstand his healing power. You see, he doesn't just save us for us, he calls us out of the crowd to be his own. As Edwards writes, in the kingdom of God, miracle leads to a meeting. Oh, that's good. 
Discipleship is not simply getting our needs met. It is being in the presence of Jesus, being known by Him and following Him. And here's the, here's the deal, church. If you had an issue or a problem and it was miraculously solved, but it didn't lead you to worship and adore and want to be with Jesus and glorify Jesus, then you might want to question who did the miracle in your life. Are you with me, church? When we come to Jesus, we want our little miracle, and then we don't want to have anything to do with the church or the people of God or with Jesus or glorifying Him or sacrificing for His kingdom in the world, then we ought to question, who did the miracle in my life? Because the miracles that Jesus does lead us to behold and adore and be with Him. Jesus doesn't give us God's power primarily to give us something, but to give us someone himself so jesus asked verse 30 who touched my garments and the disciples rebuke him (laughs) don't you love the disciples i mean praise god they finally get it right i mean the woman's got it but the disciple don't you see the crowd pressing in all around you the word implies that they're encircling him they're probably touching him here's what the disciples are saying can i translate it for 2018 you can't be serious right now jesus Did you know this man, this faithful synagogue official, that his daughter is dying and you're hanging out asking, who in the world touched you? What are you doing, Jesus? we got to go heal this young girl. She's an unclean woman with a perpetual flow of blood. Of course, they don't even know that yet. But what does Jesus do in verse 32? He keeps on looking around. As Edwards writes, The persistence of Jesus in discovering who touched him rivals the woman's persistence in reaching Jesus. Aren't you glad that if you've really tasted the healing power of Christ, that he doesn't let you go? That his eyes keep looking around. They stay after you. They keep chasing you. Because he's not going to, if he's really saved you, If Christ has really performed a saving work in your life, you might go through some down spells, you might have some ups and downs, but there's going to come a point in your life when the searching power of God in Christ hits and lands on your life and He says, you are mine. You were a wretch, but now you're a son. You were a wretch, but now you're a daughter. And you are in the family of God and you exist for me. Jesus doesn't rest until His eyes land on the woman Because His power is given to produce a healing that is far deeper and far more lasting than physical healing. It's an everlasting healing. You can come to Jesus trying to solve your problems, but if Jesus is really at work in your life, He will always lead you to personal surrender. He will never let you stop at just getting your little problem fixed. Or even your big problem fixed. He will always take you to personal surrender, taking up your cross, dying daily and following Him so that others might know Him as well. Now that she has seen what has happened to her, what does the woman do? She fears and trembles in the presence of Christ. Verse 33, do you see the difference from how she originally came to Him in verse 27? In verse 27, she comes up behind Jesus and she wants to get just a little touch, but now she realizes she didn't have any claim on Jesus' power. Rather, Jesus' power has a claim on her. When you access Jesus' power, His saving power, Jesus forever has a claim on you. And when she realizes the awesomeness of the King that she has touched, she comes to Him not secretly, not from behind, but she falls at His feet and she tells Him the whole truth. Verse 33, 
You see, when we really encounter the saving power of Christ, He doesn't call us to private faith, but to a public faith of personal surrender. You say, why does North Roanoke Baptist Church have a hymn of response after just about every service? There's so many churches and traditions that don't do that. They do it differently, and that's okay. But we have a song of response most Sundays. Why do we do that? Because Jesus is still in the business of calling people out of the crowd. He's still in the business of calling people out of the comfort that they find in hiding in the crowd into the true comfort of belonging to Jesus even if we have to stand alone. And sinner, when Jesus' eyes meet yours as the Holy Spirit takes the gospel and helps you see that you are the woman with the flow of blood that cannot be cured unless God heals you, when you see that Jesus is summoning us to come out of the crowd and lay down our past and our shame and our failed attempts at curing ourselves and to fall before Him and tell Him the whole truth about who we really are and how much we need Him, in that moment, Jesus still saves. That is what the power of God does in a broken sinner. We may begin with wanting Him to just fix our problems, but He moves us to falling at His feet in humble, transparent, and grateful worship. And when that happens, church, women who are slaves to suffering become daughters of God who can walk day by day in the peace of God. Do you see what He says at the end? Daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. Is that you this morning? Is it your day to go from desperate to delivered? Is it your day to go from hemorrhaging to healed? From being an embarrassed woman to an empowered witness? From being unclean to cleansed? From being poor to abounding in the peace of God? Is today your day? Is today the day that you stop going to a bunch of doctors and wasting your life trying to fix yourself and you fall at the feet of Jesus and you really let Him save you? If today's your day, we invite you to come and find hope at the end of your rope. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you've given us your word, that you've shown us what it means to be a disciple. God, we, we don't know how perfect this woman's theology was. We don't know how perfect her doctrine was, but she, she had heard about Jesus and she knew she needed to get to Jesus. And God, in a crowd this size, there's got to be at least one who's heard about Jesus and they know deep down in the crucible of their lives and of their soul, they need to get to Jesus. God, move in your way. Have your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.